0: Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, if you're a visitor this morning um, to TDC, we just want to welcome you and we just pray that you're encouraged and uh, strengthened by your encounter with the Lord this morning and the reading, preaching, and the singing of His Word. Amen. Amen. Hey, listen, you, you, you guys were here last week. We were in chapter 39 of Exodus, right? And I said, hey, we got one more chapter to go. We're, we're, we're going to uh, finish up Exodus next week, right? Isn't that what I said? Okay, well, that's not going to happen. So, <laughs> Okay, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Uh, my plan, and uh, the majority of the time, my plans just kind of crumble uh, to, to the wayside. But I had looked at these last few verses of uh, the inspection of the work of Israel by Moses. And I was literally just going to say to you, hey man, the last 10 verses, they brought all this stuff to Moses. Moses inspected it. Now let's move to chapter 40, right? And we were going to close this thing up. And we were going to close really strong, right? Finish strong. And uh, the more I got into those last few verses, desiring to kind of transition into chapter 40 and to close, Brennan, there's just too much in those last few verses, right? And I'm like, I, there's no need of skipping this just to get to 40 just to close. You know, we need to try to glean and dig out uh, the things that are hidden in these 10 verses to the benefit of Kellen and Trent and Tim and Dwayne and Drew and Jeff and Jay and Ricky and I can go on to the benefit of each and every one of us, Gabe and Danny and Wes. You notice I'm picking out all these guys, James. <laughs> uh, these guys need it, Right. And, and and I need, we all need it, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at verses uh thirty-two through forty-three. Okay? And uh, and we're going to close uh chapter thirty-nine as the scripture says, so Moses blessed them. So we know something's about to happen in these uh these last verses in chapter 39, that's going to solicit a blessing for Moses, right? So let's just look at that. Let's look at that as Chase navigates from one side of the sanctuary to bring balance to the force, right? And, and so uh, we, we appreciate that, <laughs> that this morning. So let, let's pray, Jay, that I can navigate this with a level of clarity to not confuse anyone and... Uh, the very best case, maybe not confuse myself. You know, that's, that's something that's accomplished from time to time. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we stand before you this morning, desiring, as we have said so many times, to rightfully divide the word of truth. Lord, we want to see. We want to understand. We, we want to ask the questions. We want the observation, the application And we want to be drawn closer to you, not just from an intellectual ascension of understanding, but from a deep, intimate, spiritual understanding, a relational understanding, a transformative type understanding this morning. How can we come into your presence, read your word, understand it, and not be changed? I think it's impossible. And so, Lord, this morning... We want to do that, and we leave the changing, the element of the agent of change to you. And so, Lord, guard and protect the ears of the hearer this morning, as you guard and protect my tongue, to speak what would honor you, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray and ask this, and the sons and daughters of God said, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, Exodus chapter 39, verse 32 through 43. Okay, so I, I, I'm going to read these verses. It's not a lot of verses. Let's, let's read them. And set your mind in, in a place this morning that you're open to hear what God wants to say. Okay, we can do that right now. That's a decision we can make right now before another word is spoken that if God speaks to me, I'm, 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 I want to receive it. Amen? Can we posture our hearts and minds in that place? Park there. Park there in that place. It says, so all the work on the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was completed. The Israelites did everything just as the Lord commanded Moses. Okay. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and all of its furnishings. Let me move this down. It's clasp, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases. The covering of ram skins dyed red and the covering of, of another durable leather and the shielding curtain. The Ark of the Covenant Law with its pose and the atonement cover. The, tab, the table with... Uh, turn this down, Larry. I'm getting, I'm getting some heat off this thing. I don't want to torture people this morning with a pop. Or, the table with all its articles... Everybody can still hear me, right? So it means he could probably turn me down some more, right? Okay. I was waiting for a greater response than that. It says, the table with all its articles and the bread of presents, the pure gold lampstand key with its rows of lamps and all its accessories, and the olive oil for the light, the gold altar, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, and the curtain for the entrance to the tent, the bronze altar with its bronze grating, that's the altar of sacrifice, its poles and all its utensils, the basin, the wash basin we remember, with its stand, the curtains, "...of the courtyard with its post and bases, and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard." Remember? It's on the east side. Remember that? "...the ropes and tent pegs for the courtyard, all the furnishings for the tabernacle, the tent of meeting." and the woven remember we covered this last week we we're talking about the priestly garments and the significance of them right there's a powerful step in that man and so the scriptures and the woven garments worn for ministering in the sanctuary both the sacred garments for Aaron the priest he being the high priest and the garments for his sons when serving as priests And then the scripture says this in verse 42. The Israelites had done all the work just as the Lord had commanded Moses. And Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord had commanded. So Moses blessed them. Now that wasn't difficult, was it? We navigated through that pretty solid. Stand with me and we'll be, no, no, no. You thought I was dismissing you? No, you ain't getting out that easy. Right? But there there are some things I want you guys to understand in this portion of scripture. And listen, as we as we navigate this, ask yourself these questions that I'm going to ask you. Ask yourself internally. Respond internally. They're rhetorical in a, in a sense. But you have to answer these. I have to answer these questions. We have covered, right? We've covered literally everything regarding the tabernacle, have we not? We we've covered the the, the curtains, the gates the altar of sacrifice, the wash basin, the lampstand, the table of presents, right? The altar of incense. We've covered each of the veils. We've covered the Ark of the Covenant. We've covered the priestly garments of Aaron and his sons. We've covered all of that extensively, and we've drawn the correlation and made the connection between each of those articles and the person of Jesus, right? And so the Scripture says that we just read we're just going to highlight a few items in this scripture. I know that's hard to believe, but we are just going to highlight a few and you need to consider them. The scripture says, so all the work on the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was completed. Listen, one of the very first things I want you to understand is the uniqueness of the people that perform these tasks. Now there's something to be said of the simple things of these people. The s- just simple principles that are at play in their lives that you and I must uh, embrace and have residing in our lives as well, right? And I'm going to give you a look into these people by reading Exodus 35, verse 4 and 9 through 9. Now, listen to this. Listen. Moses said to the whole Israelite community now, this is before they built anything, anything. This is what the Lord has commanded. Now listen to these key words. From what you have taken offering for the Lord, everyone who is willing to who is, uh, everyone who is willing is to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastplate. Right? That was the command that had gone out to the people of Israel. Now this is the part that you've got to understand what he says initially is from what you have now these people still had there were others who once existed within that same group that was provided with the same resources and the same means of God that no longer had and you remember them right the three thousand remember they had brought their articles Their gold, their valuables. And remember they had created this golden calf or this golden bull which led the people of Israel into idolatry. Remember that? One of the things that you have to say about these people before we go any further is that they resisted, they resisted the call into idolatry. Meaning they did not bring their resources to be forged against God in the form of a bull or idolatry. Literally meaning when there was a call for these items to be brought into that realm of idolatry, these people said, no. No. We're not doing that. Now listen, as brothers and sisters... One of the things, you see it, and I see it, especially if you're on any social uh, media platform, one of the things that you'll clearly see being expressed at times through the body of Christ are the things that we oppose. You know what I'm talking about? Man, I see people and I'm like, I know what you're against. I mean, you, 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 do, not, you do not shy away from stating what you're against. You don't and these people when the scripture says bring from what you have they've already declared to some degree what they were against had they not we ain't doing that but there's something that's even sweeter on the other side of the coin of the hearts of these people it wasn't that they were just against the idolatry God said through Moses not only from what you have because you were against those things, what you still have, bring that, but those that are willing. So these were people that you and I need to learn from that not only did they have an, an opposing view of the things that were contrary to God, but they had a willingness, a willingness for the acts of commission. There's acts of omission and acts of commission. The acts of commission right, are the things that you do, right? The acts of omission are the things that you refrain from doing. Both have positive and negative connotations. If we omit the evil, good for you. But at the same time, if you omit the good, then bad for you. If you commit the evil, bad for you. If you commit the good, good for you, right? You, you guys track it with me? But what we cannot do, we cannot be people who clearly define our positions of opposition and vaguely define our positions of purpose. Because I'm going to be really frank and really honest with you people no longer care what you're against this culture is saturated with voices that echo it's like an echo chamber that echo and echo everything that we stand opposed to and the world is looking and saying to us well what are you for and so these people were not only taking a position against the idolatry but the moment the opportunity was given for them to give their resources to the purpose of God, they were willing to do this. These were people who took a stand against and a stand for. Right? Shouldn't we be those people? We absolutely should be those people. We absolutely should be those people. And these people were like this. I'm going to have to Water up, okay. Mm. Okay, let's look. Let's move on, okay, because we're gonna try to get through this before all of our visitors flee out of fear, okay. So this is what the scripture says, right there. We, we've already defined an element of, of these people that you and I need to 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 have these same type of characteristics and attributes, right? Then the scripture says in verse 32, so all the work on the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was completed, right? Was completed. Now I want you to understand, this work was being completed ultimately with a knowledge that inspection was coming. There was an inspection coming, right? The implication is this, because the scripture says that the work all the work was completed because inspection was coming the implication is this it's not enough to finish the work it's required to finish the work correctly hence the inspection If there is no inspection, then basically it would be clear to you and clear to me that it doesn't matter what level of performance you give to God. It's only important that you give something. Now you and I know in our relationship with God, that doesn't sell, man. God's not looking for our leftovers and whatever we can hodgepodge together. The reality in following God, what should be sitting in our heart, is not just the work that God has called us to complete, but doing it to the very best of our ability to honor Him, right? I mean, that's reasonable, right? There were times that I went into Clark's room and said, Clark, you clean your room? He said, yeah, Dad, I've cleaned my room. And I say, so, well, I'm going to check it out. He said, well, give me a few minutes. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, you hear the vacuum in there. You know what it was? He had completed the work on his standard. But once he knew inspection was coming, Jack, he understood it was a different standard by which he was being measured. Kept back there with that duster, Garbage. You hear shooting baskets Garbage. Walking through there, he'd be coming out. I'm like, I'm going. He said, like, "Yep, a couple more minutes." I walked in. I think it like the Taj Mahal. <laughs> he'd off the floor. Well, I'm not going to take a chance, but it's close. But he knew, and so they knew inspection was coming. Now. There's something you need to see right here. The scripture says the Israelites did just as the Lord commanded Moses. Now this is a very interesting statement. Why is it a very interesting statement? Because God never commanded the Israelites directly. They commanded Moses, or he commanded Moses, and then he commanded the Israelites. Right? Now, I don't know about you, but when I read this, Valerie, I can't help but think, What manner of position did Moses hold in the hearts of the people that when he spoke on behalf of God, man, the people listened, man. They knew. And when I'm reading this, Jennifer, one of the things I ask myself, because I'm not even worried about the the vast numbers of people that are removed uh, for me by 10, 15, 20 degrees. I'm talking about the people who are, are, you know, uh, intersecting my life, you know, uh, five degrees removed. I want to know, I want to ask myself those people that are removed five degrees from me, that inner circle, if you will, do I have in their hearts a position of trust, honor, in their hearts? So I can look at you guys, and you're probably on the outside of that five. You're not literally in my house, living life with me. You know, I'm not inspecting your bedrooms. I'm not doing those things. I'm talking about my own children. I'm talking about my own wife. I'm talking about my mother-in-law. I'm talking about my. I'm talking about the people that I trade skin with every day. Do I have in their hearts? Have I lived a life? where they would look at me and when I spoke on behalf of God, they would really consider what it is that I'm saying or would they just dismiss me? So I'm not asking you this morning about the people that you'll run into at Walmart. I'm talking about, wife, could I ask you of your husband? And what would you really say? Husband, could I ask you of your wife and what would really be said? When your wife needs to be prayed for, who is she calling? Let me tell you this this is sticky, man. Because if her first call isn't taking place within the corridors of the house, we got a problem, man. We got a problem. Listen, if my wife needs prayer, And I find out she called Dennis Hensley before she told me, we got an issue. And it's not an issue with Dennis. It's an issue with me. Do you get this? You tracking with me? I'm being serious. I'm being serious. I truly want. I I give you my word. I truly want. At the end of my life, for both of my children and my wife and those inside to say of me, Oh, Dad or Trent or my son, oh, he loved Jesus and there was no doubt. And I would like to be in the position and represent like Trent represented. You know what I'm talking about, Kellen? You want your children to say those things, right? And this is kind of, kind of the position that the children of Israel, the esteem that they had for Moses in this season of their journey. Listen, when Carrie and I first started dating, this is a long story. I don't have to water this down. Mm. Nineteen ninety-three, Carrie Evans and I. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking God's face. I'm 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 looking for the right lady. You know what I'm talking about? I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking for the one that's going to help me honor him. I'm looking, both eyes open, ears open. I'm looking. And I remember talking to Carrie, and one of our first official dates, and you guys know this, I've shared it with you, was to a revival a uh, 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 basically it was a uh, crusade it was a revival crusade at Campbellsville College right and I remember Tony Campolo which he's he's a little on the crazy side I don't agree with everything he says but they had brought him in from Eastern College in Pennsylvania and he's a sociologist and a a, a minister he was preaching at this uh, crusade so I go to my wife and I say to her now I was I was slick. I walked in like, this. Yeah. <laughs> how you feel about a crusade, <laughs> right? Right? You know, don't know how you feel about a revival. Look, <laughs> look. Like, like, I, I mean, I literally, I was breathing it, man. I, it was one of those fleece moments. You know what I'm talking about? If she if she ain't down with this, she ain't the one. Eyes wide open, right? And I say, hey, hey. Uh, having a crusade down at Camasville College, you know, official, unofficial date kind of thing, you know, dirty, Queen. That's all I got. afford. double cheeseburger, you know. Yeah, you know, small blizzard. I'm putting it all out there. I said, "How about it?" She was like, "Oh, that sounds awesome." And it wasn't that she was going with me to the crusade. I think it sounded awesome because she was getting to go to the crusade. And she was just going to drag me with her. Right? And I knew at that moment the die had been cast. I said, "Uh uh-oh, this is the girl. Not because she's excited about me, but because she's excited about him. I said, that's the one I want. Give me that girl. And might I even say, "Give me that chick"? You know what I will I want her. <laughs> you say, "Trent, you sound like you were moving pretty fast." Well, we were married a year later. Didn't take a whole lot of discerning. Man, you knew it. You knew it. You know what I'm talking about? Moses, they seen something in Moses that they could anchor in. I share this silly story about Carrie because I saw something in her like that even early on. And I believe if you were to ask Taylor, Taylor would say, I, I want to be a mom like mom. And I believe if you were to ask Carrie, she'd say, I want to be a mom like Kathy. And if you were to ask Kathy, she'd say, I want to be a mom like Jenny. Right? But are people saying this about you? Are the inner circle of your life saying this about you? But when we went down into this crusade, Tony Campolo told this crazy story that I'll always remember. He told this crazy story. Now, I don't know where it originated from. I have no idea. But he shared this, and he was an incredible, uh, articulate uh, communicator. But he tells this story about a man named Joe. We're going to call him Joe, right? We'll call him Joe. And this is what he said. He said Joe was an alcoholic. He said, miraculously converted in a street outreach mission. Some of you have been miraculously converted. Before his conversion, he gained a reputation as a dirty alcoholic for whom there was no hope. But following his conversion to Christ, everything changed. Job became the most caring person at the mission. He spent his days there doing whatever needed to be done. There was never anything he was asked to do that was considered beneath him. Whether it was cleaning up vomit left by some sick alcoholic or scrubbing toilets after men had left them filthy, Joe did it all with a heart of gratitude. Like, man, give me some Joes, right? He could be counted on to feed any man who wandered in off the streets. Undress them and tuck him into bed when he was too out of it to take care of himself. This was Joe, man. One evening after the mission director delivered a strong and powerful evangelistic message to the usual crowd of sullen men with drooped heads, one of them looked up and responded to the message. He came down to the altar, he knelt to pray, and he began to cry out to God. And the pastor discerned what the man was crying out. And the man was crying out to God, make me like Joe. Make me like Joe. Make me like Joe. And the pastor comes down to the man praying and he says to him, theologically correcting him, and he says, young man, Maybe you should be praying more along the lines of make me like Jesus. And the man after a few minutes of contemplation says to the pastor, is Jesus like Joe? I don't know how many people Are saying of me, make me like Trent. You say, Trent, that's a skewed theological position to take. That's an arrogant and prideful position to take. Well, if it's arrogant and prideful, at least I'm in company. Because those are the exact same words that one Saul Tarsus had said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 1. When he says these words, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ Jesus. <laughs> and so Moses had this, he, he had this weight in his life. And when he spoke on behalf of God, the people engaged, invested the resources, and did the work, man. And they did it right because they knew inspection was coming. Right? Now, I've already read the scripture, so I'm just going to highlight a couple of things. All right? It says, they brought the tabernacle to Moses. Each item was brought regardless, Ronnie, of the perceived size, scope, or value of the item. Every item was brought, right? Every item was brought. And listen, you can imagine each individual bringing the item that they had built. I believe they brought it, maybe some apprehension, understanding that it was going to be under inspection, but I believe there was a level of delight and honor in carrying out this work that God had called them to do through Moses? What about you? Question and observation. The thing that God's called you to do, is it a delight or a burden? Is it just a, a nasty weight that rests on your shoulders that you perform and you do with resentment and no joy? Ricky, Ricky, I vow to you before God and the rest of this church. The moment I come into this pulpit and I resent the amount of time that it takes to prepare, the amount of time it takes to pray, the intermingling in the lives of people, the moment I resent it, I'm gone, man. I'm gone. Oh, I don't want to be about the work that God's called me to do, and resent it. I want to delight in it. I want to bring it to him, not just to be inspected. You know, the quality of of my work to him, but I I want to bring it to him like a sacrifice, a gift, right? Right? (laughs) And here's the incredible thing. Each person's work would not be measured against the other person's work. It's going to be measured against what Moses had told them. Now, here's the other verse in there that you need to hear, right? And it says, in verse 37, it says this. And it's talking about the lampstand. Now, it says this further down about some other items, but I want to identify this as being the first. It says, the pure gold lampstand, they bring the pure gold lampstand with its rows of lamps. Now, this is a beautiful lampstand. Now, listen, and all of its accessories. Do you know what one of the accessories was? A wick trimmer. A wick trimmer. Now, look, man. You got Bezalel, man. That cat's packing the ark and the poles and the mercy. He built this avocation covered with gold. But I believe whoever made that wick trimmer, I believe they carried a thing just like they would the ark. My job isn't to build the ark. But I believe the individual brought the wick trimmers with the same type of commitment and same type of passion. And I believe he brought that thing in a sacred response to God. And he was willing to give them this as though he were presenting to Moses the very Ark of the Covenant. And he laid his wick trimmer at the feet of Moses. Delighted in it. Here's my word. Here's my work. I guarantee you the wick trimmer didn't lose sleep over Bezalel's construction of the ark. You know why? He was too concentrated on the wick trimmer <laughs> to worry about another man's work. I bet, that, I bet stuff was happening all around him. And that that cat was focused. Or oh, the wind trimmer. And you say, okay, Trent, question, observation, application. The question is, are you sidetracked and skewed by the comparison of the task God's called you to because you're always comparing it to the task that someone else is called to do. And what ends up happening is the consumption of Bezalel Creating the ark ends up creating in you a hodgepodge wick trimmer. And the whole time you're bringing the wick trimmer, your eyes are cast at someone else and the ark that they've constructed. And you lay it down as though it's a ridiculous offering to God. And that ought not be the case, right? That ought not be the case. That, that should not be the case. So the thing God's called you to, I mean, pour yourself into that thing, man. If God's called you to maintain the sign out front and weed it, then man, when you go out there to weed that sign, may it be the most precious and beautiful weeding job that any man has ever seen. And don't look at your weeding of the sign outside and say this doesn't look a whole lot like worship leading. This doesn't look a whole lot like Bible teaching. You know what that weeding of that sign can become? A wet river that can be delighted in. And each weed extracted from that sign literally is a sacrifice and an offering under God. But in the modern church we don't get that. But the wig trimmers got it. Right? You get this, right? This is this isn't so foreign, is it? No. That's not rhetorical. I need an answer. It's not so foreign, is it? No. No. All right. Now we're at the last two verses. Got through it pretty quick. All right, here we go. The Israelites had done all the work just as the Lord commanded Moses. And Moses inspected the work and saw that they had done it just as the Lord commanded. Now the question is, why would Moses inspect the work? Because Moses was the one who had given the direction. He was the only one who knew whether it was up to standard. And it wasn't to crush those who had performed the work. It was to ensure that the work was done right to honor God because guess who would ultimately be the most culpable party in bringing the articles to the Father to erect them? The only one who had been given the instructions. So this isn't Moses lording it over them as this difficult taskmaster. Moses understood what they understood that he too was under inspection. You get it? You see it? There's another thing that we see about Moses that's beautiful that you and I both need to embrace. You notice in verse 33 it says, then they brought the tabernacle to Moses you see that? I just read that. They brought the tabernacle to Moses, right? Go back to verse 33, you'll see it. They brought the tabernacle. Well, what does that mean? And, and what is there good in that for you and me? This is a characteristic and attribute of Moses that you, dad, you, mom, every one of us need to possess. Moses wasn't looking over their shoulder as they performed the work that they were equipped to do. With gifts and talents. That's what the scripture says. Man, God had gifted these people. Moses wasn't over their shoulder looking at it. That's the reason verse 33 says they had to bring it to Moses. You know what Moses was doing as a good leader honoring God? He was trusting the skill that God had deposited into the lives of these people to be expressed because of their willingness to be expressed in their craftsmanship. It was only brought to Moses when it was all done. Listen, I called Ronnie Rockford over to the house to do some plumbing work. Hey, it's straight up. I, I might stand there and talk to him just for conversation. You know, Ronnie's a heavy talker. And I don't want him to feel alone when he's at my house. But you know what, to be honest with you, in my heart... Ronnie pulled up at my house. We got a plumbing issue in the water heater. Ronnie came out. I said, hey, Ronnie. He said, hey, Trent. I say, plumbing issue in there. Let me know when you're done. You know why? Because I trust his skill. You know what I'm talking about? I ain't second guessing that man. I start second guessing may Look at me and say, do it yourself. <laughs> and you know what I don't want to do? I don't want to be a, a wick trimmer building an art. You know? And when it's done, I try to pay him. That's a fight in itself. But you think I'm back there looking and saying, Ronnie, that's a, that's a hodgepodge job. <laughs> now, when he leaves, I go in there and I inspect it. And you know what I do? I say, look at this job that Ronnie did. And then people come over to the house and I lie and I tell them I did it. <laughs> or I, want, I may not go that far. I may just say, well, me and Ronnie did it. Ronnie and I. Well, can you come over and do mine? No. no. But I'll give you Ronnie's number. And Ronnie knows that's true. Right? I've sent Ronnie to more houses. I just need to, I just, I just need to tape a, a gospel track to Ronnie's back and just send him out. I'll send him everywhere. man trying to retire and I keep giving his number out. But Moses trusted the people. So it's brought to him. And the the scripture says this. It says Moses inspected the work. And this is good. He inspected the work. It's the Hebrew word raw. Raw. And it means to see. It's a peculiar word. It's a peculiar word. That word is found eight times in the book of Genesis in chapter 1. Did you know that? Raw. And you know the context in which it was seen? Or which it was used? In this context. And God saw that it was good. (laughs) And God saw that his work was good. Raw. And there is Moses. And he expects to work. With the heart of God, the work that God had commanded, the very way God had wanted it done, it was done exactly like God's work. And what did Moses say? It's good. Because the scripture says that Moses blessed them. Right? And all this work was taking place because ultimately, listen, ultimately, God was wanting to bring his people into a new reality of his presence. A new thing was coming. A new season was happening. And next week when we get to chapter 40, it'll begin. But you see, there's another thing that is very similar to this new season of the presence of God. And it is defined in the gospel of Mark, chapter 1, 1 through 3. We're closing with this. And it says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Listen to what the prophet says. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. That being John, right? A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Listen to what he's calling. Prepare. Prepare. The way for the Lord. Make straight paths for Him. Do you know that? You know what it's suggesting there, the the visual there. Is to create a road. Where the hills have been taken out, the holes have been filled, the curves have been eliminated. And we read that, and we want to take it as though it's a literal expression. When it's not, it's metaphorical in the sense that it's not a road that's to be be created with hands. But it's a road in the heart. And so when Isaiah says, prepare, listen, the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. You You know what Isaiah was saying? You know what Mark was echoing? The crooked places in your heart, make them straight. The holes in your heart, fill them up. The mountains and the barriers in your spirit and in your heart, level them. Mark would say, a new season is upon us. The kingdom of God is at hand. And I would say to you this morning, as my brothers and sisters in Jesus, in as much as Moses wanted to usher in this new season of experience with God through the tabernacle, the Lord's leading, I would say to you, Mark and Isaiah crafted similar words in saying, Create in your own being a tabernacle that is acceptable for the Lord to travel in and through. Right? We get this, right? Question that only you can answer is this. What about those potholes in your heart? You know what I'm talking about, those potholes? You know what I'm talking about. What about that cracked asphalt? on the pavement of your own heart. It's been exposed to the heat of life and it is buckled under the intense heat and pressure to conform and to be like and to compromise. And then we've allowed so many barriers, so many things have come up. So many things, and I, don't, and I don't know why. But they come up, and God addresses them. And You know what we typically do? Well, Lord, instead of removing that barrier, can we just bypass that? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Just put up a road construction sign. We won't really do any road construction, but just a detour. And for the rest of our lives, we'll just leave that sign up, and that barrier just stays, and it continues to present issue after issue. When what God is really saying to us is make straight. path, Get rid of the detour sign. Get rid of the bypass. Feel, straighten, and level your hearts for God. Amen? Amen. Okay, stand with me. Stand with me this morning. Alright, with our heads bowed, we're, just, we're going to pray this morning. We're going to bow our heads just for a moment. No, this, no trickery. No trickery. No one's going for your wallet. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, considering what God has said to us this morning. In the end of chapter 39 of Exodus... So Moses blessed them. Oh, how God would desire to bless you this morning. And draw you closer. And give you a new experience. All of it is here for the receiving, for the taking, if you will. He's extending it to each of us. Hands open. Right there it is. It's like Jeff said this morning. It's the invitation the banquet table. I've got a chair pulled out for you. Is what the Lord would say. Assigned to you this morning. So Father in Jesus name you have spoken to many hearts this morning. Your word has gone forth I pray, oh God, that there would be a concession made in the hearts of the hearer this morning who would say to you, no more detours, no more bypasses, no more road construction signs. I want it leveled, filled, and straightened. That the path of God in my life would be receptive to him to travel. On and through. So Father, as decisions are made in the hearts of those hearing now, for those who struggle with that decision, I pray, Lord, that your spirit just pursue them. Just pursue them this morning. But for the individual who wants to decide now, I'm going to ask Carrie to come just for a moment. We're going to give you a moment just going to give you a moment is Carrie not up here okay it's fine That's fine the moment is still yours and I believe the Lord is in this as soon as I said that she walked right through the door listen this moment is yours this morning It's yours. You say, "Tripp, man, some of those barriers have been there for a long time. There's some potholes in my life I'm not sure God can feel. Let me say to you this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, man, I had some potholes in my life. I had some potholes in my life. I had some barriers in my life. And God can fill them. And God can level those. So this this is just your your moment, man. Your moment. It's your moment. And we'll give it a second. We'll just give it a minute. No manipulation, no anything. Just just between you and God. If you want to pray, you can pray by yourself. If you want someone to pray with you, you can ask them. Brother Ben, ask, ask, there's so many people here that are pray with you. But this is your moment right now.